you always wanted to hear the hockey stories told from the press box? For your premier source of hockey prospect news from across the AHL, NCAA, Canadian Hockey League, and international leagues, this is your all-access pass to The Press Zone, a hockey podcast packed with news, analysis, interviews, and entertainment featured on AHLReport.com. Your hosts, Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens, are experienced, credentialed hockey reporters bringing you stories built from strong connections throughout the hockey community and from inside rinks all across North America. Welcome to The Press Zone. Welcome to The Press Zone. That is right. We're so glad you're here with us today. Uh, Can you believe we are in the middle of August already? I don't know where the summer is going, and we are also just about halfway through this round one Eastern Conference quarterfinal series between the Flyers and the Canadians and a bunch of other teams here in the NHL. So we got a lot to talk about today. We are so glad you're here with us. Thanks for joining us. Uh, My name is Amy Johnson. I'm your host and the lead correspondent at the AHL Report and the Flyers Report, and I'm joined every week by my fantastic co-host, He's the founder of Rocket Sports Media and our editor-in-chief, and that would be the one and only Rick Stevens. How are you? I'm not talking to you. Well, I'm not talking to you. You're so I guess this is going to be a really productive show today. No, you're you're on the the other side. You're I'm you're, on the Flyers beat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have the Flyers strictly Flyers media hat on, so I am on the Flyers beat. But there's no cheering in the press box, so I'm not rooting. I'm just reporting. So no cheering, but um, some nastiness going on in this series. So, uh, By Max Domi, just spearing guys in the junk. (laughs) It's a slash my behind. It was an unnecessary uh, panel that he he took, a little undisciplined. Where'd he learn that, Ty? Um, Probably. Hmm. Probably. So you just keep... You keep your noses clean over there on the Montreal bench. Mm. See what we can do to keep. Uh, yeah, we don't want to upset you. We don't want guys. any more whining and and yeah. You just settle down over there. <laughs> Av embarrassed himself, you know. And well, the Flyers didn't exactly have the best second game. I'm. I could be the first. To, well, and Av was the first to admit it. Then they got quite embarrassed. Um, Boy, this is going to be a fun podcast. Wow, we're so glad you're all here today. (laughs) Um, You know, it's it's as we said last week. It's uh, it's this podcast is in its fourth season, and uh, because of how our Media company has grown over the last decade. We've grown from from covering the Montreal Canadiens to, of course, now having a, a substantial covering of the Flyers and their prospects and and the Phantoms and so forth. And so, um, this show was kind of custom built for a new Montreal Canadiens Philadelphia Flyers playoff series, and and here we are. So it's been a it's been a pretty fun week to be sure. Well, we have. Two headquarters, one in in Canada in Montreal and one in uh, the United States um, in the Philly area, and uh, so absolutely, it's it's perfectly and and not to say we, we have we have 
listeners all over the world. We have contributors uh, all over North America. That's right. Uh, but yes, and we 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 certainly cover um, uh, our fair share of other teams. But but these are the two areas of focus uh, for us and our listeners. So uh, we will uh, set aside our editorial media coverage beat reporting differences for the day and speak with one another. All right. For the next hour. <laughs> <laughs> and we're also going to speak to someone else, too. I am uh, happy to report. I'm mm-hmm. going to run down the agenda here, what we're going to cover today. But I'm I'm bursting at the seams to tell all of our fans uh, about our special guest that we have on today. Uh, really excited that uh, Danny Briere is joining the show today to chat with us about this Flyers of Montreal series uh, and some other things. So, pretty cool that's fabulous it is uh but you're gonna have to wait just a little bit for that in our first segment we're actually going to take the uh, focus on to the montreal canadians we're gonna take a look at how they've done uh thus far in games one to three and uh you know they've surprised some people they've struggled in some areas um so we're gonna take a take a look and and put them under the microscope and and review how things have gone for the canadians thus far uh and also um most, most, if you've been paying attention at all, uh, know, of course, unfortunately, that Claude Julian uh, suffered some very um, scary and serious uh, health issues and is now uh, recovering from heart surgery back at home, uh, which means that Kirk Muller has taken over as as the acting head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. So that may not be news to you per se, but I just want to briefly touch on that transition and what Kirk Muller brings to a head coaching position and, 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 and what, you know, what we've seen from him, from these two games that he has, has taken over uh, Claude Julian's duties behind the bench. Then in our second segment, we're going to switch over to a Philadelphia Flyers focus uh, and, and take a look at how the, from a Flyers perspective, the series has gone so so far um, and where they have struggled. uh, As we just said, game two was definitely a struggle. um, One that they'd like to put in their rearview mirror as quickly as possible. And and they did that to a degree last night, uh, uh, getting getting their second win of the series. Uh, We're also going to touch on Oscar Lindblom being uh, out of quarantine and and rejoining the team and the significance of that. And then, as I did mention, uh, we will be welcoming Danny Briere onto the show. And he's going to give us some thoughts on the series uh, from from both teams' perspective and and talk to us a little bit about what it was like to play for both of these organizations uh, and and give us some some great anecdotes there as well. So very much looking forward to that interview. It's it's one you don't want to miss. And then finally, in our third segment, we go beyond the league. Uh, we have a little bit of news regarding this year's Hockey Hall of Fame induction ceremony, as well as some news from the QMJHL. We've heard from a lot of different leagues about postponed start dates and so forth for their anticipated 2020-2021 season. Uh, the AHL, the ECHL both have a, a December 4th target date to start again. But uh, we have some news from the QMJHL Um So we'll review that as well before, of course, we send you off on your merry way to enjoy the rest of this week's playoff hockey with a feel-good finale like we always do. Great show. Very good show. Very exciting. So let's begin 
in La Belle Provence. Uh, let's start with the Montreal Canadiens. Um, you know, when we were here a week ago, it was, wow, they just decimated the Pittsburgh Penguins and shocked everyone and and made it into the playoffs. Um, but, whoo, boy, now they're going to face off against the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, the Philadelphia Flyers, who were undefeated in the return to play uh, and undefeated pretty handily, um, didn't face a whole lot of adversity through the round robin and and, the, and their exhibition game uh, and looked to be pretty smooth sailing. Um, and then, Rick, game one happened and the first period of game one looked to go right along that narrative. And then suddenly, uh, second period is a complete 180. The ice is completely tilted in the Canadians' direction. Um, the Flyers were completely run over in that middle frame. Uh, and and in the third period, Philadelphia found their footing again and, and did what they had to do to get the win. Um, and then in the second game, just as Elaine Vigneault used this term multiple times, the Flyers were just embarrassed from puck drop to final horn in game two, uh, five to nothing shutout. Uh, Carey Price was phenomenal. The Philadelphia Flyers were not. Uh, and last night's game was was a very tight-checking defensive battle. Um, a one-goal game. Yes, it was a shutout, but it was it was a one to nothing shutout. Um, and so, from a Canadian standpoint, there's there there have there are obviously things that need improving. But Rick, I think the Montreal Canadiens are continuing to um, surprise people from themselves to fans to analysts and pundits and and reporters they're 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 really kind of putting their stamp on predetermined narratives going into these playoffs well certainly uh, after uh the play-in series the qualifying round uh, much of the talk was uh, when you talked about the Montreal Canadiens, it was all about Carey Price and and absolutely every word, um, you know, it, it was well-deserved. He was the reason. He was he stole the series. There's no question about that. Uh, but a lot of the, the, the um, uh, discussion about the outcome uh, was about uh, how poorly the Pittsburgh Penguins had uh, had played. Um, so when this series came, um, and, and, and listen, during, uh, the round robin, uh, nobody had laid a glove on, on the flyers. They cruised through, mm-hmm. uh, the round robin and, and, you know, whether the games were intense, whether teams were putting out their, their full effort or not, you know, be that as it may, uh, the flyers looked, um, pretty untouchable and, and so much so that Claude Julian, um, on more than one occasion, said it was absolutely the best team, most balanced team um, that uh, he had seen in Toronto. Um, and then there was that game one where um, the Canadian, as you said, first and third periods maybe went as as expected. Um, uh, the Flyers dominated, but in the in the in the second period. Uh, the Canadians dominated uh, the Flyers in a way that uh, no one else um, had done uh, before. 
uh, outshooting them 17-7 and uh, exposing the defense. Um, and uh, with the, the, the pressure game causing the Flyers' defense to make um, several bad decisions, and uh, it, it was it was kind of uh, revealing and, and uh, head-turning. However, uh, the Flyers uh, prevailed and, and got their win, uh, but then uh, I don't think anybody was expecting uh, the absolute domination, the 5 nothing. No. Uh, drubbing uh, by the Canadians over the Flyers in Game Two, and and Vigneault was obviously embarrassed. Obviously, I think he was taken aback. I, mm-hmm. I think he was startled. His whole, um, you know, uh, criticizing Mueller was was a, a smoke screen for the fact that he didn't want to be asked any questions because he was his head was still spinning um, that his team had had been. Outworked, outplayed, um, outlasted to use the survivor. Is <laughs> a survivor yeah, something like that? <laughs> uh, but but outprepared uh, by a, uh, a head coach, an interim head coach who who had uh, that was his first uh, NHL playoff game uh, behind the bench as head coach in Kirk Muller. Uh, so it was it was a, a stunning win um, all round, and uh, and then coming into Game Three. Um, as you said, very tight, very tight, but, uh, this is a series now and, Mm -hmm. and yes, uh, the Flyers have the upper hand and, and you look at the, the, uh, percentages out there and, and Flyers have maybe a 65% chance of, of, uh, advancing, but that's certainly a lot less than one might've expected coming into the series. And, um, you know, Carey Price, has been uh, unbelievable. This this was billed as the master and the student with respect yeah. to um, uh, Price and and uh, Carter Hart. Carter Hart's been okay. He's been good um, at times. Mm-hmm. He he looked pretty shaky. His confidence, uh, uh, you know, took the knee uh, knees out from under him in game uh, uh, two. Was was pulled. Was upset about that. Uh, and uh, but. Carey Price has given up three goals in this entire series, and yet uh, the Flyers um, the Flyers lead. They do. Um, to the Canadians' credit, I mean, Shea Weber, Carey Price has been stellar, of course. Uh, he's playing in the postseason the way you expect Carey Price to play in the in the postseason. That is, and we knew going into this return to play that. Carey Price between the pipes was going to be the biggest key for success for the Montreal Canadiens, and and he has certainly stepped up to that fully. Uh, Shea Weber has been the Shea Weber of old. Uh, he he looks fresh. He's he's using his size. He's using his shot. He's he's playing particularly well. And Sherrod is right in there with him with the physicality. Um, and in this series, Sherrod is getting under the skin. Uh, for sure, of of Flyers players, um, and it's it's showing after the whistles, and they're they're starting to lose their patience with with Sherratt. What I'm particularly impressed with um, is is Kakinemi's uh, continued influx of confidence. It I feel like he gets more confidence with every game, and the more confidence he gets, the more solid he looks uh he's really using his frame 
well. uh, He's not afraid to check and finish his checks. Um, He's, he's playing a very strong game. Um, I think the, the time off did well for Jesperi Kotkaniemi. Um, Nick Suzuki has moments of, of really impressive hockey then he's then he has a little bit of a stumble. Um, so he's his his progression hasn't been quite as smooth as as Kakinami's, but but Suzuki right in there with him. But I have to say, um, you know the the player that I'm I've been focused on a lot as as a really dangerous forward for the Flyers to contend with is Arturi Lekkinen. Uh, Lekkinen is just ravenous on the puck. Uh, he is everywhere the puck is. He is everywhere where the puck is going to be, and he is just relentless. And it's uh, it's nice to see him getting getting his just rewards and getting noticed for that kind of hockey that he's always played. He raises the, his level significantly in the playoffs, and and there's no question. Kotkaniemi, Paul Byron, uh, but especially Arturi Lekkinen have been. Uh, the Canadians' three best forwards, hands down, uh, every, each and every game. And and you you ask the question, where's Brendan Gallagher? Uh, mm-hmm. Where's Jonathan Duran? Where's Phil Deneau? Where's Thomas Tatar? Uh, where's Yol Armia? Uh, these are the guys that are, are supposed to be leading the Canadians, supposed to be uh, providing the offense, and in, in Deneau's case, uh, supposed to be, um, uh, you know, on the other side, uh, preventing uh, being a defensive force, and and you saw Deneau was the uh, the culprit last night. He lost the face off that led to the winning goal. Uh, he's not bit played well. He's had some bad penalties, uh, and uh, and has contributed nothing to the offense. Gallagher seems to be uh, laboring a bit, uh, perhaps injured. Duran has been invisible mm. for most of the playoffs. Tatar had a couple of goals in the uh, the five nothing game. And uh, Armia seems to be suffering from an injury as well. So if any of those guys get going and raise their level uh, to, um, you know, Kakinyemi and, and uh, Byron and, and Lekkonen, then uh, look out. The Canadians uh, might have a chance here. Now, uh, you know, f- no offense to Dale Weiss, but it was about time for him to to take a seat in the press box. Uh, he hadn't been been doing a whole lot in this playoff run. Um However, the decision, the decision to bring Alex Belzeal in, mm. um, eh. <laughs> uh, you know, I saw uh, assistant coach Paul Wilson there on the marketing side, yeah. wanting to pr- <laughs> make the nice, pretty story. Um, un- unfortunately, I, I mean, Belzeal played uh, four odd minutes last night and, uh, and didn't contribute much. So, no. um, he, he's, yeah, he's, uh, He's an in-between AHL, ECHL player, never mind uh, trying to contribute at the NHL level. And and yes, Alex Belzeal's story um, is, is it is a nice story, and he has his first NHL playoff point now, uh, thanks to thanks to the game, uh, game two. Um, however, you know, I'm starting to see more and more people, even on social media, saying, mm, I'm not seeing a whole lot from Alex Belzeal. And so for me... I'd really like to see Ryan Palin get a shot. Um, you know, no, maybe his training camp wasn't as strong as Kakinami and Suzuki, but, um, you know, Ryan Paling is is a young prospect who is going to be hungry to give, to get an opportunity to show what he can do. And I think, 
I think game four is a perfect opportunity for Kirk Muller and the Canadians to decide to to draw him in. Uh, as as Rick just said, Belzeal played not even five minutes uh, in game three. It's not an elimination game. Give Ryan Paling a shot. Let's see what he can do. And and I'll just mention Jake Evans. Jake Evans yeah. uh, played about five minutes last night too. In those five minutes, he had five faceoffs. He won four of them. Um, when you're looking at uh, yes, Mary Cockingham, he's doing everything right except faceoffs. He can't mm-hmm. can't win a faceoff. Um, but um, uh, Jake Evans uh, doing pretty well there, and sometimes against. Uh, uh, Nate Thompson. So uh, Kirk Muller said uh, the other day, um, it's not about how much ice time you get. It's what you do when you get ice time. And Jake Evans seems to be making the most of, of his ice time. That's true. Had had a couple of uh, missteps uh, in his first game where where you mm-hmm. kind of went, oh, 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 Jakey. Oh, okay. But but he <laughs> seems to to be settling down a bit, and uh, and yeah, he's he's doing some great things. Now, now, Rick, you did mention, you know, Kirk Muller has been the acting head coach for the last two games with uh, Julian at home recuperating, and we should first and foremost say that everyone here at Rocket Sports Media um, certainly wishes Claude Julian the best in health. Uh, very glad to hear that his prognosis is good after having heart surgery to have a stent uh, put in. Um, and we certainly hope that he recovers well and speedily. It's interesting, though, now with Kirk Muller behind uh, behind the bench. Um, have you seen Rick? I mean, we've we've seen and and granted, I mean, Kirk Muller at every media availability qualifies everything with the fact that he's he's in touch with Claude Julian every day. They have a set plan in place. You know, they plan everything together, and he's. He's basically executing the plan that that Julian and all of them as coaches come up with together. However, he did say, um, you know, there are going to be gut decisions I'm going to need to make in game. And and Rick, you've even said that on on our other podcast, Canadians Connection, that that it's going to be Kirk Muller's in game decision making that's going to look a little different from Claude Julian. And we've seen that so far. Um, do you feel that 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 Kirk Muller's influence in two games as head coach is already making a difference he's he's um he's enthusiastic he's yes, he a positive he's uh emotional and he certainly injected uh well the whole situation helped uh, inject emotion into game two mm-hmm. uh but we saw that um in the warm-ups there was dale weiss uh, in his us- usual spot on the fourth line and kirk said uh that uh, just before lineups were submitted he had a he had a gut feeling and he made a change inserting jake evans um uh, for dale weiss and and bumping up uh uh, Max Domi um, and putting uh, Yol Armia on the fourth line. So um, he is making uh, decisions, and we saw that again in in um, how he's using his players. He's he's the kind of coach that's going to uh, stick with the hot player. He, he's talked about Jesperi Kakinemi, how he's hot and he's going to go to him. Yep. Um, and um, I think the the um, knock on on the unfair knock on uh kirk muller is that you know he he is that uh player's coach which he certainly is but he's he's more of a a cheerleader and and uh i i think that mit- mischaracterizes him completely he's an excellent 
X's and O's strategy guy. We saw that in 2010. I explained that on the Canadians Connection podcast. Uh, but his injection of passion and and intensity um, is is has been important in this series. And uh, guys want to play. Players want to play for for uh, a head coach like that. And several times, Paul Byron being one, uh, we've heard the the players say, "We trust him because we know he's been in our shoes." That's right. And and as you say, he's he's full of of. Um, energy and optimism at, at every press conference. And you can just see that he is very intense, um, but intensely positive and, and looking at the big picture and, and really believes in, in the team that he has. So, um, I think there will be a bit of a Kirk Muller. There's already been a bit of a Kirk Muller factor in this series. And I think that will continue to be the case as the series moves forward. On that note, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we are going to flip the switch and we're going to take a look at the Philadelphia Flyers version of this series and how they've done in the first three games of of this Eastern Conference quarterfinal. And of course, you don't want to miss, we're bringing in very special guest Danny Briere to speak with us about uh, his thoughts on this series so far and what it was like for him playing for both of these organizations. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. The Press Zone is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report and watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at All Habs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit AHLReport.com and click the Join Our Team tab at the top of the page today. Welcome back to the Press Zone right here on Rocket Sports Media and the AHL Report. We're so glad you're back with us here in this second segment. Again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. Don't forget, of course, if you're not doing so already, you really should be following us on social media, on Twitter, particularly during this series. Uh, We've got all of the live in-game coverage uh, as well as... uh, 
post-game uh, live coverage of the post-game media availability and media availability on the off days, uh, post-game recaps, you name it, runs the gamut, full coverage. So how to follow us. Let's see. There's a few different ways. First of all, you want to be sure that you're following at the AHL report and at the press zone. That's uh, the AHL report, of course, is is uh, the place to go for all of our typical AHL uh, and, and beyond prospect news. And uh, at the press zone is, of course, the Twitter account for this podcast. But in addition to that, specifically for coverage of, of this series, uh, for the Montreal Canadiens side of things, you'll want to be following Rick over at All Habs and following along online, allhabs.net. Uh, so that's at allhabs on Twitter, allhabs.net uh, online. And then for the Flyers perspective of this series, you'll want to be following our Flyers account, and that is at the Flyers Report. And I do the coverage uh, there at the Flyers Report. And our post game recaps are over at ahlreport.com. So I know it's a lot. But actually, if you just go to at the AHL Report and follow there, you'll get all of them. So um, be sure you're following along for all of our social media accounts. And most importantly, yes, subscribe. Subscribe yes. to this podcast. Subscribe to the Press Zone. And uh, the easiest way is uh, whether you're following uh, or listening on, uh, on the website, whether you're listening on your favorite podcast app, just look for that subscribe button and you'll get every single podcast um, uh, coming to you. And, and uh, our Rocket Sports Radio podcast, both the Press Zone and Canadians Connection, are uh, produced and hosted by credentialed hockey journalists. So we remain the source you can trust. That's right. And honestly, season four has been absolutely tremendous. We're just a, a handful of weeks into season four and already uh, some of the fantastic guests that we've featured have included Bill Meltzer with the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, Anthony Mingioni, uh, also another beat reporter uh, on, on the Flyers beat, uh, who uh, is with um, Center Ice Philly magazine and... Uh, and uh, off the post radio uh, from Montreal, we've had uh, we've had Doug Gallivan, we've had Dan Robertson, who's the the play by play voice of the Montreal Canadiens on TSN six ninety. Uh, we've had Jeff Chamont from the Journal de Montréal, uh, and uh, just re- recently last week we had former uh, defenseman Mike Weaver. Uh, so we've had a really great lineup of guests so far in this in this fourth season. And uh, that's going to continue just in a little bit in this segment when we welcome uh, Danny Briere to the show as well. So that if, if you've missed any of those episodes, you say, wow, that sounds like a great show. Yeah, I exactly. want to hear that. <laughs> Go to thepresszone.com, thepresszone.com, and you can listen to any of the uh, past episodes, the archives right there for you. That's right. Really great interviews. If you missed any of them, be sure you go back and check those out. So as we said in the last segment, the Montreal Canadiens perhaps surprised a lot of people with their performance uh, so far in the first three games of this series. Um, And it was surprised some people in a good way. Uh, On the flip side of that, I think the way the Flyers have performed in this series so far has also surprised some people, maybe not in as good of a way um there's there's been and we kind of we talked about this a bit last last uh segment and it's not so much that oh the flyers are just suddenly playing really really poorly i think it's more that 
Montreal has caught everyone off guard. Um, they came out with a second period in the first game that no one was expecting, and obviously Philadelphia wasn't expecting. And then they came out in a, in the second game with a performance that I don't think anyone was was expecting, including the Philadelphia Flyers. And I think you saw, Rick, in the third game, in last night's game, with how tightly it was played, there were no wide-open lanes, wide-open ice. Everything was a battle. Uh, the only goal was was Jacob Voracek's goal, and it was uglier than sin. I mean, it was it, it wasn't a pretty goal. It just it got the result that that it needed to get. Um, and so I think the I think we see that the Flyers are starting to come to terms with the opponent that they're actually facing, not the one that they thought that they were going to be facing. And Alain Vigneault is making adjustments. I know even today, uh, you know, the power play has been an issue. They went 0 for 6 on the power play last night. I want to, I, I think there's something like 1 in 25 in the playoff. The power play has been abysmal. But Vigneault did say today at his media availability that there are going to be some adjustments and tweaks made on the power play uh, that we'll see tomorrow in, in game four. Um, and so, yes. While Montreal perhaps needs to stay out of the box, uh, Philadelphia has to find a way to convert those man advantage opportunities. And and it seems as if yesterday they finally got, they kind of took the game that Montreal's been playing and they fed it back to them uh, and they managed to scrape by. I mean, they really, they, they, they ground out a, a win just barely last night. As you said, that that goal, uh, the, a double deflection off Ben Sherratt's stick, off and and good for Voracek for going to the net because uh, right. it uh, he happened to be there and it happened to to nick in off off his body, um, but it was it was close and and yeah the 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 power play it's it's not as if they've the Flyers have been close um, mm-hmm. you know they they went through. Multiple pl- power plays without getting a shot. Uh, there's been five on threes uh, that they've enjoyed uh, during this series and and haven't uh, been able to connect. Uh, so the and 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 the the power play. You know when when you look at Montreal, they don't have uh, top end talent, top end finishers. Uh, that's not the case necessarily for the Flyers. They have they have big bodies they can put in front of the net. They have finishers. Uh, and they just haven't been converting uh, so far. Uh, so it's uh, and and maybe it's more to do with puck movement. Um, it's um, it's it should be concerning for uh, Elaine Vigneault and Flyers fans. It should uh, and and we'll see. You know, Vigneault is keeping things pretty close to the vest, and we'll see what kind of adjustments do get made to uh, to the power play in Game Four. The fact of the matter remains that no matter how they managed to do it, Philly did come on come out on top uh, yesterday with a shutout um, after getting completely embarrassed five to nothing in the game prior to that. And so they do now lead two to one in the series. And so this becomes a pivotal point for the Flyers tomorrow going into game four, um, you know, trying to avoid letting Montreal scratch back into the series again and, and draw even again? Or, you know, is it is it that then 
they the Flyers are able to continue to build on what they did yesterday and and force Montreal into an elimination game on Wednesday. I mean, that's a that's a tale of two completely different scenarios for Wednesday. Um, and so, yes, you're seeing, um, you know, Giroux still not on the board. Um, JBR still not on the board. Uh, Voracek did manage to, to do something last night. That's a good start for him. Um, and uh, we saw Joel Farabee take a seat. You know, he got banged around pretty good in 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 uh, in that second game. I think it was I think it was the right move to bring Michael Roffle back in uh, now that he's healthy again and and sending the clear message. Starting lineup uh, yesterday for for Elaine Vigneault was his fourth line, and it was a heavy fourth line: Pitlick, Thompson, and Roffle. And and Michael Roffle was. Uh, significantly noticeably good in 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 yesterday's game um i've also been uh very impressed with travis sanheim and phil myers uh they are doing a tremendous job on on the back end i mean provorov uh has also been very good niskanen has had his moments uh i'd like to see some more consistency out of him um i think nate thompson could do a little bit more down on that fourth line um the one thing I think I don't need to see any more of as an experiment on the power play is Derek Grant. Um, Derek Grant does a good job at, at, at what he does centering that third line, but I, I didn't particularly care for him uh, on any of the power play attempts that he was on yesterday. Um, so there's some things that just need to keep uh, that I think they need to keep building on. They certainly need to 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 fix the power play. Um, and, and now they, now they're starting to get a taste for how they have to play against this team against Montreal. And I think they just need to continue building on what they've learned. How's Carter Hart going to react? Um, yeah, you know, game two, he had his confidence shook a bit. Um, and, uh, then going into game three, um, one of the, uh, and I said this when we talked to Bill Meltzer, one of the real advantages for the Philadelphia Flyers is that there are no fans in the building. And mm-hmm. why does it why does it help one team more than the other? Well, at the p- pivotal position of goal, uh, Carter Hart isn't exposed to uh, the highs and lows of the emotions of of the fans, and and uh, he avoided the Boo Birds in Game Two uh, in the Wells Fargo. He he avoided the hostile crowd uh, at the Bell Center uh, last night, and. And the, the Canadians allowed him uh, a real light workload, uh, three even strength, uh, high danger scoring chances all night, yeah. which he saved. Uh, but um, it's it's going to be and and you saw the the Flyers team all ran to to the to the aid, uh, knowing uh, I think uh, particularly Vino that. Uh, Carter was uh, a little shook after game two. So they ran to his aid last night, praising him. Uh, and uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how he reacts for uh, game four. And that's uh, that I think is the key because I suspect that uh, Kirk Muller is is uh, pointing out to to his troops uh, that they they didn't get to the net, they didn't have any second chance opportunities, uh, they didn't make it too difficult for uh, Carter Hart, and, and expect that to change in Game Four. That's true. Now, the Canadians certainly had their emotional motivation moment in Game Two when suddenly they were without their head coach Claude Julien after uh, a, a scary 
a medical emergency uh, and, and was home recuperating in Montreal. Um, the Flyers had their own injection of emotional motivation prior to yesterday's game uh, because Oscar Lindblom uh, finally was out of quarantine in Toronto and was able to join the team for his first official practice with the team since his cancer diagnosis last fall. Um, and it was it was emotional to watch the video uh, that came out that the Flyers released. Um, Lindblom led the stretch at the end of at the end of uh, game day skate. Uh, and it was, as Elaine Vigneault said in his, his availability, that the coaches were even close to tears just watching that happen. Um, it was, I, I mean, Limblom led the stretch and everyone in the circle around him weren't just tapping their sticks on the ice for him. There were a few of the players that were literally banging their sticks from over their head and crashing them down to the ice as hard as they could in support of Oscar Lindblom being back. Uh, and Lindblom met with the media, uh, talked about how he's just, it. The, the best medicine for him right now is to be with the team uh, and that he feels good and, and that he's just going to focus on getting strong and continuing to get better. And um, so the flight. He, he, just to add to that, he said something I thought that was uh, shows that he has a level head. And he said um, he was asked for a bit of a timeline and, and uh, to his return. And he said he didn't know. But he said he doesn't want to be in the lineup unless he can help. He mm-hmm. doesn't want to be there as some sort of token. He doesn't want to be there uh, as some sort of emotional ejection, injection. He wants to be there if he can help, and 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 doesn't want to uh, doesn't want an opportunity before he's he feels he's ready. Absolutely, and and you're right. That is a very mature viewpoint of of his but it also meant that he was in the building to watch the game last night um and so i you know did the flyers draw a little bit of strength from from oscar Lindblom? well there's been a few times this season that um him showing up in the dressing room before a game at the wells fargo center and and so on and so forth uh has provided that extra punch of energy that the team has needed so i'm sure that they drew on that um just the way the Habs did on on Julian's uh, medical emergency on on um, on uh, Friday's game. Getting all my days mixed up here. Um, so it was great to see Oscar Lindblom back. It was an emotional an emotional moment for sure, and uh, we wish him continued health and recovery as as he works back to game condition. Well, with an intense round one uh, Eastern Conference quarterfinal series fully underway here in the Stanley Cup return to play, uh, what better person to get a perspective, uh, a unique perspective of what this series is like than someone who's played for both organizations? Uh, So pleased to welcome to the show uh, today, former NHL center Danny Briere, who, of course, uh, has a little bit of experience in the Stanley Cup playoff runs, uh, set, some, set some records in his day, and uh, is uh, joining us here today. Danny, thanks so much for being with us here on the Press Zone. Hi, hi, Amy. Hi, Rick. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. 
Well, it's uh, as I said, it's uh, we were just speaking before we we started the interview about how uh, there's been three games in this series so far, and each each of those games seems to have had as you, as you called it its own script or or we say its its own identity. What just uh, to to start off, what's your general reaction to what you've seen on both sides of the ice from the first three games of this series? Well, to me, there's there's really. Um that's uh, there's like three major observations that that really stick stick out at this point. Um, the first one is that the Montreal Canadiens are a lot better than everybody thinks. Um, <laughs> they uh, they take time and space away from you. They make it tough on your offensive guys to have time to create anything five on five. We saw it against Pittsburgh uh, in a playing around. They, uh, you know, they completely smothered uh, their big guns. They're doing the same thing to Giroux, Couturier, Voracek uh, right now. Um, and, and it's frustrating to play against guys like that. We all knew that um, Carey Price was going to be good. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And then, I'm, I'm, you know, Weber, everybody knew he was going to be good. But then I've been really impressed with Ben Cherot and uh, Jeff Petrie, how they elevated their games and how they've played so far in the playoffs. But it's the way their forwards, how, how good and fast their forwards are. Um, I don't think we, we realize that. And then talking about that, it leads me to my, my second thing is um, how different this, this Flyers team is than, than what we're used to see in the past. Right. Um, you know, as always, the Flyers were usually a big team that's very physical, uh, that could score a lot of goals. Now they're finding ways. They've scored three goals in this series and they're up 2-1. It's, it's pretty <laughs> impressive when, when you only score three goals and you're up in the series after three games. So um, I think Alain Vigneault has done a tremendous job implementing a system um, where, the, where they can play this type of games that, you know, the Canadians are forcing on them, where they have to play a patient game, wait for their chances. Um, and, it, and it's tough to do and it's frustrating um, to do. But they, you know, they, they've been playing that way now and, and having a goalie like Carter Hart, we haven't seen mm. this in a long, long time in Philadelphia. And it gives them the chance to be patient and, and wait for their opportunities. And a third observation is is how good um, the young players for the Montreal Canadiens are. Um, I know Kutkinemi had a really tough year last year, um, but that break it, it's it's like starting a new season now. Yeah. And and for a lot of guys like Kutkinemi and Suzuki, it's like they ta- they've taken another step now. Um, they're a lot more confident. They're confident. They're they're playing um, with a certain swagger that we didn't. Maybe a little, little bit from Suzuki, but both from both of these guys, this this in the playoffs that is very surprising. It's really looking good for the future uh, for Montreal having two top end centers, um, you know, that are coming up in the ranks that will probably pivot the top two lines for years to come in Montreal. Last time the uh, Montreal Canadiens got past the second round of the playoffs was 2014. You were on that that team. Um, and last week we had on the show, we had our, our guest was, uh, Mike Weaver and, and, and he talked uh, a bit about, um, Carey Price and, and Carey Price along with Brendan Gallagher and Dale Weiss are the only players remaining from that, uh, 2014 cup run that the, the rosters changed dramatically. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but so I wonder if you can talk about, uh, two of the prominent players, uh, your experience with Price, uh, and Gallagher and what kind of players you found them to be. 
Well, I think we all know that um, Carey Price is the leader of that team. Um, you know, and it's not a, a loud leader. Um, it's his quiet confidence. He knows he's good, uh, but he doesn't throw it in your face. He he <laughs> just has that, you know, that that confidence about him. And then I remember when I when I played, we we didn't have an amazing team in front of him. Uh, but we we knew we had the best goalie in the league. So you play a certain way um, where you try to protect him as much as possible. But if we made mistake, that was so amazing to me. We made mistake and then they'd come down, have a scoring chance. The other team would have a scoring chance and Kerry would make it look like nothing had happened. And you come back <laughs> to the bench and, and you sit there and say, oh, mate, well, it wasn't so bad after all. Um, you know, and, and it, 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 it just gives that confidence to the rest of the team that um, even if you make a mistake, you know, he, he's there, he can bail you out. Um, yeah, I was, I was really impressed with, uh, with Kerry with, for my time in, uh, in Montreal. Um, Gallagher, Gallagher was a little younger at the time. Right. He had a lot of energy, a lot of spunk, <laughs> um, you know, already he was, he was a force. Uh, but I don't think he was quite the leader at that time, you know, six years ago that he is now on, on the Montreal Canadian team. Um, he's still playing the same way. Um, but he, he's that ball of energy, um, and emotion that is, you know, it is typical of w- what, the Montreal uh, Canadians forwards are um, it's like they're built around him um, they're fast they're, they're um, in your face uh, every shift um, they don't they never back down they get knocked down they get back up and they come back at you um, and it, it seems everybody's feeding off of him and, and playing that way so um, uh, tremendous player I, I've been really impressed with what he's been able to to accomplish year after year after year you, you think that Brendan Gallagher um, would have enough of, you know, getting his face uh, knocked in, <laughs> and, you know, cross-checked in the back of the head. He keeps coming back at you. He's relentless and he never stops. Yeah. Um, he's, um, yeah, uh, the perseverance on uh, Brendan Gallagher is uh, really amazing. I'm going to take you on a, on a well, you and, and our listeners on a, on a brief trip down memory lane. I'm going to go back a little bit further before 2014, back in 2007, when you were an un- unrestricted free agent, um, there was, of course, everyone wondered, would you sign with Montreal at that point? Uh, and, and of course, as Philadelphia fans, fans know, and, and Montreal Canadiens fans, you ended up signing a big deal with, with Philadelphia uh, and came to the city of brotherly love where, where you really flourished, um, put up some really big numbers in the NHL, a big portion of your career. Um, of course, uh, Flyer and Canadians fans don't always like to remember the 2010 Conference Final uh, mm. <laughs> series, uh, but you had uh, you had a tremendous run uh, in 2010. Uh, you know, leading the league in in playoff points with 30 points that season. I, I believe that's the season you beat Brian Props' standing record for that. Um, and even after your retirement. Uh, you and we're, I know we're going to talk about this uh, with Rick here in a, in a few minutes, but even after retirement, you've still been very active with the Flyers organization, uh, very active with the city of Philadelphia. Um, what was it, you know, that decision that brought you to Philadelphia back in 2007? Um, did Philadelphia and, and the Flyers organization become more than just one of the teams that, that you played for and excelled with? Uh, what what did Philadelphia and the Flyers and all of their their organization and being an alumni and whatnot, what, what did that really become for well, you? 
Well, in, in 2007, when I had to, to make, I, I knew there was a big decision and I knew it was most likely going to be a decision where, you know, wherever I choose to go play would probably become my, my home for a while. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I had kids that were just about to, to turn, I'm, turn teenagers or they were what, eight, nine and 10 years old. So uh, I knew it was going to be an important part of uh they're growing up and um there's a good chance that we'd be here for a long long time I mean, we, we still are here in philadelphia but we we love the city from from the get-go um you know when the, my kids uh, speak they they claim that philadelphia is their hometown um <laughs> that's where they're from um you know my wife is from philadelphia as well um so yeah it's become it's become my uh my hometown away from you know Gatineau. Um, mm -hmm. so it's, it, it's pretty cool. I, I, I like it here. And, and one of the thing too, I, and I knew that signing with Philadelphia, the Flyers are known to really take care of their alumni players. Um, you know, it was, uh, Mr. Snyder used to say, once you're a flyer, you're always a flyer. It doesn't <laughs> matter if you play one game or if you play 10 years. Um, and, and you see that here in the alumni events that we have. So many alumni players keep coming back year after year. And mm -hmm. It's very, very impressive. There's a strong alumni here. Um, and I was fortunate when I retired, I was invited by Paul Holmgren to, uh, to start to get involved with, within the organization. Um, and to this day, you know, five years later, I'm, I'm still involved. I, um, uh, my office is at the Wells Fargo. Uh, I, I manage a, a minor log, minor hockey league, uh, ECHL team for, for that the Flyers, uh, Comcast, Spectacore company own, um, you know, and I'm learning the business side with, uh, with the Flyers. So it's, uh, it's really cool. So on the flip side of that, ironically, you ended up signing uh, with, with the Canadians years later. Um, talk just a little bit about what that experience was like, finally getting to, to go back to Quebec and, and play for such a storied franchise that you would have grown up with in Gatineau. Yeah. Well, it, first of all, in 2007, um, you know, my heart was, you know, you know, thinking about, about signing with Montreal because I grew up a fan of the Montreal Canadiens and, and it would have been very, very special. Um, so fast forward to, uh, 2013, um, I had another chance of, of signing with, with Montreal and, uh, I felt I, I couldn't pass up that opportunity a second time. Um, I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm, I feel very, uh, fortunate that I had the chance and blessed that I had the chance to play in Montreal, my childhood team, um, to experience what it's like, especially as a French Canadian player to play in, in your hometown where, you know, the Mon Montreal Canadians are, uh, are bigger than religion there in, in Quebec. <laughs> so, um, it, it was a really, really cool experience that I'll, I'll remember forever. So, and you, uh, you remain to this day beloved in Montreal, but, uh, you did a kind of a, a difficult thing of, as a former player, you were beloved in multiple NHL cities in Buffalo in Montreal in Philadelphia, um, and now you talked about your kids, your, uh, Carson's committed to Mercyhurst and, and, and you are the VP of operations for, uh, the Maine Mariners and GM and, and, uh, getting some great experience. And, and as they say, life is good. Um, so do you catch yourself thinking, you know, what's next? What's on the, what's on the horizon for you? You know what? I, I'm trying to live in the moment. Um, I remember as, as a player, I was always thinking about, you know, the following game and you're always worried about, oh, my, 
Did I play well enough to stay on the power play next game? What's going to happen next year? Am I going to be able to, you know, sign a contract? Uh, what's going to happen after this? So you're, you're always li living to, to think about the future. Think about the future. Um, nowadays, I, you know, I, I try to live in the moment more than I did when I played um, because it was so stressful to live that way. Um, as a player, and I, I, you know, I'm not complaining. It, it was an amazing run. I loved, uh, you know, my career as a player. Uh, now, uh, you know, I, I try to enjoy the moment. Uh, what I'm doing here is really cool. I get to manage a hockey team, a professional hockey team. I get to chase my kids in different rank. Uh, you mentioned Mercy Hurst, uh, one's down in Alabama. Uh, the the youngest is uh, going to school up in Maine and doing video work for for us. Uh, the Mariners um, so you know I, I try not to um, get lost in, in what's coming and, and what's ahead of me um, obviously I'm not gonna lie I, I would love to, at some point to uh, manage um, something at the NHL level um, but it's not something that I constantly think about and that, I, that I'm worried about at this point I'm I'm trying to uh, uh, you know just enjoy as much as possible what's going on in front of me well, while we're all doing that right now, enjoying uh, this series, um, uh, as, a, as a final question, let's put you to the test here. Two questions for you. What, from a Flyers standpoint, what, uh, what needs to change to get the power play clicking? And, uh, <laughs> and what, uh, what do you foresee happening over the course of the rest of this series? Um, well, first of all, the, the, the power play, you know, when, when I look at the Flyers, that, that's probably the only thing that, that really worries me. Um, you know, people talk about the fact that the big guns haven't started scoring yet, but, you know, to, to me, the odds are that that's going to start turning soon. Um, the longer they're kept off the scoreboard, the more chances they're, they're going to, you know, come out um, and, and it's going to start going in. But what I'm more worried about is the power play. Um, I'm sure everybody has their their own, um, I guess, ideas of what should be done. Um, I, I When I was looking, when I was watching, it just feels to me that the guys are, there's no confidence right now. Um, they're rushing plays. Uh, they're forcing plays. Uh, where when when the confidence is there, they just know and they let it happen. Um, so I, I would try to go back to the basic, um, you know, put them back in, in their position that they're comfortable and, and just, you know, start with sh more shots on net uh, instead of forcing plays and, and have guys um, crash the net a little bit more. Whenever I was in a slum personally, I would tell myself, just try to creep up a little closer to the net because that's where you score from. It's not usually from the outside. Um, so as a player, I remember telling myself, okay, just if you feel feel yourself drifting away from the net, just come back in, go to the crease. That's where you're going to find a loose puck and score. Um, that was to break out of a slump. And, and I feel they're in a little bit of a slump right now. So I would say, get, get the puck up at the point and let the you know, either Provorov uh, or Giroux or Voracek, put it on net and have everybody crash and try to find loose pucks. And uh, maybe that'll create some uh, some positive um, uh, mojo for, for the guys <laughs> that are there um, to get the thing back on track. Because they that, they certainly have the talent to make it work. And it's mm -hmm. proven in the past that they, they, sh they, they can have a, a lethal power play. Excellent. Well, we really appreciate you taking some time with us today to, uh, in the midst of this series, to give your thoughts and and a little bit of your experience with both the Montreal Canadiens and Philadelphia Flyers organization. Uh, Danny Brio, thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you're coming back again soon. Yeah.
Well, thank you very much, guys. It's pretty amazing that we're watching uh, playoff hockey in the middle uh, of June and into September. So I'm, I'm loving this time of the year now. Yeah, we are too. Thank you again. Excellent. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Amy. And uh, with that, we are going to take one last quick commercial break. Uh, on the other side, we are going to go around the league and give you some news coming out of the QMJHL and the Hockey Hall of Fame. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. The Press Zone is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. And welcome back once again to the Press Zone right here on Rocket Sports Media and AHLReport.com. We're so glad you're here. Uh, once again, my name is Amy Johnson, your host and lead correspondent here at the AHL Report. And I'm joined, of course, once again by my wonderful co-host, Rick Stevens, uh, as we continue on with this episode. Rick, I think first we have to say thank you once again to Danny Briere for joining us in that last segment. What a tremendous interview. What a great perspective. And uh, again, I, I feel like we're getting a theme here with players, former players who have great stories about playing with Carey Price. It's been <laughs> and, two weeks in a row. And there's a hockey guy. He doesn't miss, a, he doesn't miss anything. He's been following the series and, and uh, closely knows what go is going on with both teams. So it was great to have him on. Absolutely. And and seeing as this third segment is the segment that during a traditional season is dedicated to what we call beyond the AHL, where we would 
perhaps talk about ECHL news. We do just want to to uh, note that um, the Maine Mariners, uh, who, of course, are Laval Rocket fans, will be familiar with the Maine Mariners because a lot of um, player loans come to Laval from from the Maine Mariners in, in recent years. Um and so the main Mariners are the uh, ECHL team that Danny Briere uh, does, in fact, uh, manage. He's the VP of Hockey Operations for the main Mariners. And uh, we'll be sure to have him back on the show again sometime here in the near future when we get closer to a start date for the ECHL to talk about uh, that league and, and that organization. Uh, but, of course, since we're in a, in a different time right now, uh, this segment is kind of beyond the league. So we're just talking a little bit about things beyond uh, the playoffs right now. And so uh, we have two quick bits of news for you. The first coming from the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, Now, we... this year's Hockey Hall of Fame inductees were announced back at the end of June, and that is Marion Hossa, Jerome McGinley, Kevin Lowe, Kim St. Pierre, and Doug Wilson, and of course, Ken Holland in the builder category. Um, and so the induction ceremony, typically held every November, was scheduled for the middle of November. What it was announced this week that um, the induction celebration as well as all of the events of the the induction weekend, weekend, including the Hockey Hall of Fame game hosted by the Maple Leafs, all of that has been um, canceled, postponed, I guess, uh, is, is how we can say it. Uh, and we don't know when it's going to be rescheduled. Of course, you know, we've, Rick, we've seen plenty of postponements and, and adjusted start dates for things due to COVID-19 uh, throughout this summer. Um, the the odd or interesting thing, I guess, about this announcement is that um, they don't know yet when they're going to reschedule this. In fact, uh, in the statement, they do say it's possible. While it's possible that they could go ahead with the induction sometime during this upcoming hockey season, um, that they're saying, "quote the most likely scenario is to postpone it until November of 2021." And they'll do that either by completely waiving the 2021 class and and installing this year's class instead, or combining the two classes. Um, so we're talking, if that's the case, we're talking over a year's postponement, a year and a few months postponement, postponement, which is um, pretty extreme. Well, of of all the uh, the hockey events on on the calendar, uh, this. To me, this would seem to be uh, the most straightforward one to uh, reimagine the, the ceremony. And um, you know how it goes. Uh, the uh, um, ceremony is held. The, the, the Hockey Hall of Fame itself is in a beautiful old bank building, and it's adjacent to, I'll say, BCE Place. It used to be called BCE C place, I think it's Brookfield place now, but uh, a big complex. There's there's an enormous atrium um, that connects uh, Bay Street with uh, Sam Pollock, Sam Pollock, uh, legendary uh, Canadians GM, Sam Pollock Square, uh, and it, that atrium is is gorgeous and is is. Um, 
you know, it's it's awe-inspiring when you walk through it. But for a ceremony, it's terrible for acoustics. It's awful. It's every year is 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 terrible. So um, think of something different and uh, allow people to make their speeches and and uh, remotely or however you want to do it. I this one is is uh, just a little bit curious to me. It is, um, and and I don't know. Maybe they're maybe they just don't want to um, mess with the integrity of having the ceremony there in that building and in that setting and having families all together. And I I I, I don't know. Um, it is as you say. It it is um, it is a an extreme decision, um, and and we'll just have to wait to see there. They're looking towards. I, I believe they're having a meeting towards the end of October, and that's when I, I believe they'll they'll discuss what the plan's going to be uh, going forward. So we'll be sure to keep you posted on the decisions that come out of that. Speaking of um, perhaps extreme or odd decisions, the QMJHL has come out with its uh, estimated start date for the 2021. Tw- uh, excuse me, 2020 2021 season. Um, and guess what? They think they're starting on October 1st. Um, they seem to be confident in that, in fact, um, that the QMJHL will return to play on October 1st. They say they've had positive dialogues with both uh, provincial governments and public health agencies. Um, and so they are going to, they've, they've decided that all of the Quebec teams will play completely behind closed doors. So that means no fans uh, for the Quebec teams. Details, however, are still currently being discussed for the teams in the Maritimes. So there's still there's still a big question mark as to whether or not any fans will be permitted to attend the games for QMJHL teams in the Maritimes. Uh, so training camps will open on August 30th. Teams will be limited to 34 invitees to training camps. Uh, The regular season will have a 60-game schedule divided into three divisions, and all regular season games will be played within six team divisions, and a playoff format will be announced uh, later on in December for a potential Memorial Cup run uh, in 2021. So... Um, I, I, I applaud their optimism. I'm, I'm hesitant to jump in full force on, on the decision. I think there's still a lot that's really up in the air. Uh, and I, and I'm what it's an ambitious, uh, plan and I'm not yet convinced that they will actually indeed be able to start on October 1st, but I guess we will have to wait and see. Well, it's a pretty bare bones uh, press release, um, notwithstanding the fact that they've already have a date for the Memorial Cup tournament, which is about a month later <laughs> than right. it normally is uh, between June seventeenth uh, to twenty seventh in either Oshawa or Sault Ste. Marie. Um, but you you go through and you, and and all the questions that kind of immediately pop to mind about uh, the financial aspect of of maintaining these franchises and mm-hmm. and can they do that without fans? Uh, thinking about uh, you know this isn't going to be a bubble at all. You're dealing with no. teenagers um, and teenagers who typically live with billet families. Uh, this is there's a lot of moving parts here. Very few uh, details. So. Uh, a bare bones plan now. We'll see how this uh, all shakes out. 
Absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll keep, we'll keep our finger on the pulse of that one. It'll be interesting to see how that, I don't want to say experiment, but it will be, uh, it will be for most leagues, it will be hockey's first attempt at getting back on the ice in any kind of true form for a new season. So we'll see how all of that unfolds and keep you posted. Um, before we get to our feel-good finale, just a just a reminder once again, uh, be sure you're following us on social media. You can find Rick over at All Habs. You can find me at Flyers Rule. Uh, be sure you're also following at All Habs for all of the Canadians' uh, playoff coverage. If you're a Flyers fan, uh, in addition to, to following me on Twitter, you can follow our Flyers coverage at the Flyers Report. And the two websites um, for for recaps and so forth that you, and, and articles pertaining to both teams that you'll want to keep an eye on are allhabs.net and ahlreport.com. Uh, now, Rick, you had mentioned uh, that people could go to thepresszone.com to, to check out archives of our previous episodes. But in general, if people just want to tell their families and friends where to find us and find our full family offering of podcasts, or if they, shame on that, I'm sure this is no one that's listening right now, but if they haven't subscribed yet, where they should go to do that, what's the best way to find our podcasts? Well, you can find all our podcasts at rocketsportsradio.com. That's uh, the Canadians Connection. Happens every Saturday with a, a focus on the Montreal Canadiens and this podcast, The Press Zone, uh, which focuses on prospects, particularly um, uh, featuring uh, the Montreal Canadiens organization and the Philadelphia Flyers organization. But we know that most of our listeners uh, listen on your favorite app. So whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Overcast or Stitcher, CastBox, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, any of them, just search for The Press Zone, The Press Zone, and uh, be sure to subscribe uh, once you find us. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, it's it's going to be a, a, a pretty intense week. Uh, we don't know what news we'll, we'll have for next week's episode. Uh, uh, it'll be... It'll be one way or the other. Uh, we'll have some some happy listeners and some not so happy listeners, but we'll we'll have to see how all of that shakes out. We don't want you to miss a single minute of it. Um, before we leave, however, one feel good finale. You know, calling this one family first, and uh, this week, uh, family certainly took first priority for an NHL player this week when uh, the Boston Bruins announced that Tuka Rask. Uh, had decided to opt out for the remainder of the NHL playoffs to go home and be with his family. Um, a very uh, surprising announcement, although uh, Bruins management say that due to conversations that they had had with Tuca over the last week or two, uh, it what didn't completely catch them off guard. So this was obviously something that had been on Tuka Rask's mind uh, throughout this return to play. Um in another professional sports return to play scenario, uh, the NBA is currently in their bubbles as well. And I, I just really enjoyed this story that um, the other night, because all of the players are in their bubbles, they're away from their families and their kids, uh, the league surprised players uh, over the weekend. And, um, you know, just like the NHL is doing a pretty good job of trying to maintain in-game ceremonial stuff, anthems and 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 PA announcers and and 
goal horns and so on and so forth. The, the NBA is doing something similar. And so there's always a uh, the announcement of, of the players as they come out onto the court and so forth. But they surprised them this weekend by putting family first. And each of the players was introduced by their kids and family members via video from home. And it was a pretty, uh, pretty incredible thing. The players were shocked. You know, I can't imagine being a player and, and you know, your your name suddenly is being announced as you're coming out onto the court uh, by your your young daughter or young son or, or so forth and, and up there on all of the video boards for everyone to see. So um, kudos to to the NBA and, and to all the professional sports organizations that are remembering that family does come first, particularly in these uh, challenging times. Pretty neat. Uh, and on that note, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of The Press Zone. Um, Rick, it's been a fantastic, uh, fantastic episode. Danny Breer was a great interview and, and really intense series here with the Canadians and, and the Flyers. I think it's going to be a pretty fun week ahead. And we'll have lots to cover. So be sure you're uh, connecting with us on social media, that uh, you're sharing uh, this podcast with your uh, followers and friends. Uh, and that um, you, our Rocket Sports text line is open 24 hours a day, 5853-ROCKET, uh, 5853-ROCKET. If you have something to say, if you have a comment, if you have a question, be sure to reach out to us. No matter what side of this series you fall on, or if you're just a fan of hockey in general, enjoy the rest of this week's hockey uh, playoff series. And we'll be back here next week for another great episode of The Press Zone right here on Rocket Sports Media. Click subscribe to never miss an episode of The Press Zone on Rocket Sports Radio. Visit AHLReport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects.